0: Welcome to Beans and Breakdowns, a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between specialty coffee and the heavy music community. On this episode, I'm joined by owner and head roaster of Black Sheep Coffee Roasters in Welland, Ontario, Lucas Spinoza. So grab a fresh cup of coffee and wake the fuck up! What's going on caffeinated crew this morning i'm joined by a lovely coffee professional uh in his cave of darkness lucas Spinoza from black sheep coffee roasters how's it going this morning lucas i am excellent thank you very much how are you i'm doing great uh i'm super excited to dive into some coffee talk so so what have you got in your carafe over there
1: well, I had to give myself a little bit extra because I really enjoy this coffee. Um, it's a new coffee that we brought in from my shop at Black Sheep. It's part of our momentary collection, which is something every six to eight weeks, uh, we'll bring in a hyper-specialty coffee, uh, whether that is a rare varietal or if it's uh, a processing method that is not so widely known or consumed. Uh, this one here is a Ketura, um, and it's process doing thermic fermentation so it's really fun a lot Mm -hmm. of people are doing anaerobic right now which is also really fun but thermic fermentation is so strange uh especially the way that this farmer does it um they use these basically stainless steel cylinders that have energy inside them and that gets um they they put that inside of the fermentation Mm -hmm. to heat it up slowly over uh, a number of days um, and it's amazing because this Costa Rican is a little bit floral, but of course, that fermentation gives it a bit of funk, jamminess, yeah. little wine. Um, and so it's it's just beautiful. It's not overly acidic. Normally, I'm a big fan of high acidity coffees, but it's nice when you have something that's not, you know, melt your tongue off. So that's what we're drinking today.
0: Yeah, you don't. Sometimes the hot lava is a bit too hot. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> what are you drinking? I have a coffee from Lantern. It's in Quebec. It is the Manos Juntas. It is a uh, like a special, um, exclusive sourcing coffee. It's a anaerobic natural Colombian. There we go. I'm I'm very much on an anaerobic guy. Yeah, fermentation station. Um, This has some delicious like blueberry jam notes, like what you were talking about, like blueberry syrups. uh, A bit of that that fermented flavor mixed with the tropical fruits. So yeah. I, I'm loving this fermented craze.
1: I love it. I find it just opens up a whole new world. Even coffees that on their own are nice, but mm-hmm. it, it it elevates it. Not every time, but I, I find that if there's something hidden or locked inside
0: that coffee, it really helps to to bring it out. Yeah, definitely. Like it's like it just opens the windows and doors and lets it breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great way of uh, explaining it. Let it finding something hidden and just letting it out. That's great. I used to be a big washed coffee fan. I still enjoy washed coffees, but uh, I've been really
1: naturals and weird fermentations lately. I'm not sure why. It's just that I've needed something to wake my palate up a little
0: bit. Yeah, I'm sure I'll go back to something. It it is funny because I talk to people that are are drinking more like normal washed Ethiopians or a Kenyan or something like that, which Mm. back, you know, five years ago would have been a really interesting coffee. And now it's, we call that a run of the mill tasting coffee. (laughs) Which Um, is sad and great at the same time. Yes, it is. Which there's a place for those coffees. And, you know, we should still have a ton of appreciation because those are, those have been consistently great coffees and continue to be uh, even in the Geisha, the the Central American Geisha um, Mm -hmm. varietals we're getting a lot of great consistency where a few years ago, those coffees probably wouldn't have been, you know, anything to write home about. Yeah. You know, super exciting. Yeah, you're right. Super, super exciting. Well, you have Black Sheep Coffee Roasters in Welland, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, why the name Black Sheep?
1: Well, number of reasons. Um, black Sheep, came, it was actually the first thing that I thought of, uh, we used to be called the black sheep lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I meant it as a verb, not so much as the traditional one. People think lounge, they think bar. I meant it as like, this is a place to hang out and, right. and kind of relax and, and take some time. And then, uh, over the years, as we become more of a coffee place, and people kept getting confused in the small town, thinking, oh, no, they're a bar. I don't want to go to a bar. And so we, we made the switch once we started roasting more regularly. Uh, but Black Sheep came from uh, a painting that I had in my bedroom as a kid um, from Angelina Rona, who is um, a northern Ontarian artist. Uh, and she, you've probably seen her stuff in Green Earth when those stores were still around. She had the big-headed, big-eyed girls. It's usually kind of melodramatic. Um, and she had a, a piece of, of this little girl holding a a black sheep and crying on the black sheep. And it was kind of a desolate wasteland in the background. And I always thought that that was kind of saying it represented how difficult it is to be yourself or to be Mm -hmm. uh, original in some way. Um, And so, Welland, being the small community that it is, to give you a reference, I, I know you had Josh Cass on here uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, he had mentioned it. But Welland is a town of between fifty, sixty thousand people, so we're we're not a very large community. We're an hour and a half from Toronto, mm-hmm. um, so we we've always struggled with that old steel town. Not much going on. A bunch of people lost their jobs, um, and so everybody in this community felt like they didn't have a space or they didn't have a group or a place that could fit in, especially at the time that we opened in, back in 2015. And so I thought, what a perfect way to bring everyone together is, if everyone feels like an outcast or an outlier, why not have a place where all of us can get together, you know, and, and have that representation for us?
0: Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, having a space where, where artists and the community as a whole, everybody mm-hmm. feels welcome in, in that environment. In what way do you feel like a black sheep? You know what? It's kind of funny. I
1: don't know if I necessarily feel the same way I did when I was younger. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel necessarily like an outcast, but I do know that um, there's a certain level of acceptance that you have with yourself once you've really asked yourself the hard questions. You know, And I find a lot of people in our community are always... You know, we're big fans of metacognition. You know, we like to look inwardly and see, you know, how can we be better? How can we learn more? What does this pain represent? How can I learn from this? And once you get to a certain point where you've really come to terms with who you are, I think that's the isolation is you're a person walking around a sea of other people who don't feel that way. Uh, And so small problems don't seem to bother you as much uh, and they bother other people. And I, I don't find that very interesting. And so I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time relating to other people when they have these small problems. And I'm like, even when my life is at its worst or its hardest and most difficult, I am I find some comfort in that mm-hmm. because I've come to terms with who I am. So I think that's the only time I ever really feel like a black sheep anymore.
0: I guess that, that does make a lot of sense since, you know, like what you're saying, people are always looking inwardly. And I, I often find myself, like you're saying, in this metacognition of, what are my problems and how does that how should people be treating me but you know being a more outward and and aware person of everyone together I, I i'm i think that there's a lot of great truth in that and that's great being comfortable with yourself and just knowing you know how to be that support for other people even in times sure. where, where you're more confident um being i had a question uh, about it has to do with your time in, in, um, the political arena. Yeah. Um, can't be a punk if you're a politician, right? That's, I was like, this is perfect. Um, but, uh, being from the metal community, being a, a metal yeah. head, um, what was an idea coming from that background that you brought to that local government, um, being elected to city council and being able to speak for your ward, yeah i mean i think the number one thing is metal really is a community
1: and it's not necessarily an underground community metalheads are loud and proud and they're happy to to wear mm-hmm. what they wear all day long i'll see i i mean wearing denim in the summer <laughs> 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 at shows with it's thirty a, it's a, people it's a I choice mean, <laughs> yeah i mean we are more than happy and you know more than proud to show off our stripes um And because of that, we support each other almost wholeheartedly. And I think that same tenant uh, is transmissible to to politics, where I had no interest in politics. That's not why I ran for city council. I mean, uh, coffee shops have that same mentality, which is, you know, we're a gathering place for the community and you support the arts and you support local causes. And it's almost a prerequisite um, when you have a coffee shop, especially in in a smaller community or in your neighborhood, even in larger cities. Um, And so when I started seeing issues in in the community that I felt like the black sheep could fix, but it was a little bit out of reach. Mm -hmm. That's when people started saying, well, Lucas, you do so much in the community. Why don't you run for city council? Uh, and so I did, um, and I was very fortunate um, to be elected, and I I beat two incumbents, so I was able to to hold a spot, the youngest, well, or tied with the youngest city councilor in Welland's history, anyway. And um, I'm happy I had that experience. Obviously, I uh, I resigned in February of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys are watching anything on the news or on Twitter or wherever, you can see p- politics is just horribly horribly volatile place right now um you know we were having our windows broken and and our artwork spray painted and my home and my family attacked so i'm like all of this so that i can clean up parks and sidewalks i don't think it's worth it i'm gonna go back to black sheep so um i think that metal mentality that community forward you know kind of loving spirit is what gave me um, I guess maybe the will or the drive to want to to help my community at a larger uh, in a larger arena. Um, but no, you know what? i I think people get confused. once you start gaining some steam, there's a little momentum happening. Mm-hmm. You think you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep doing bigger things, but I've learned that even with the black sheep. You don't necessarily have to do more
0: to be more successful. You just have to make it better for you and better for your circle. That's an incredible point. Uh, people thinking that you just need to like one up yourself constantly being the judge of success when success is something that you have to ask yourself personally. And yeah. it's like, does it have to do more with my mental health and and me being content and satisfied and finding joy in what I have around me? Or is it always needing something more, which I think in turn can become more of a toxic behavior.
1: Exactly. So let's, let's say this. I'm a guest on your podcast. I'm loving this already. We'll be a few minutes in. Now, if if you don't have 3 million followers, does that mean that this podcast isn't a great time or that it, it isn't going to change somebody's life that's listening to it? It might might inspire someone to open up their own shop or who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Now, same thing goes for me. Am I not successful in my business because I don't have 16 locations in Niagara and I'm not making $4 million per location per year? I don't think so. I mean, I'm able to support my life. like I make a living selling and drinking coffee and talking with people that I enjoy talking to. Uh, And if I never make a single extra dollar, I would still be happy. And I think it took me a while to figure that out with the community side of things, because I thought if I couldn't fix every problem, what was the point of my influence? But um, when I finally decided to step down, that was when I realized, okay, who am I actually doing this for? You know, I was doing it because I felt like I, I needed to do it for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized, no, you know what?
0: I can help other people, but I have to be, I have to put myself first. Otherwise, I'm never going to be effective. Definitely a big theme on the podcast in the past has been uh, checking in with yourself and making sure that you basically maintaining a, health, a healthy mindset. Um, Absolutely. So coming to that awareness, especially in the midst of, you know, being kind of bummed out. Um, but saying like, you know, I can find joy. I, I don't need to do this for myself. What are some things uh, in the the Welland community that you've specifically been a part of hosting and things just just so that some people do have a background on, aside from, you know, the city council and the, the political side in the mm-hmm. public sector, what are some things privately that the Black Sheep that you're really proud of that you've been able to do?
1: Sure. I mean, the, the biggest one that really kick started my... Uh, involvement in the community and, and the black sheep's involvement in the community was, um, in 2015, we started something called the Welland canal clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started shortening it to sh- shortening it to canal clean. And then it was like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, we had our last one in 2020, yeah, 2020, right on. We were going to continue, but it became logistically impossible. Um, to have everyone do it, and also I was on city council at the time, so right. organizing people on city property through my business was considered a conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't understand. We're cleaning up garbage. I'm not making any money, but no problem. <laughs> so I stopped doing that for now, but anyway, it's going to come back this summer. Uh, we did it for uh, five straight years, and we cleaned up the Welland River and the Welland Recreational Canal. Um, it started with a short, um, short distance, and we filled a 13-ton um garbage receptacle the first year God. which was insane second year um not nearly as much which was the good thing we saw that there was a decrease and obviously there was kind of a backlog of litter mm-hmm. um so that that was the big one hundreds of people over the past couple of years have joined us and cleaned up a bunch of garbage um an, another one we had our um we call it kind of like the colored latte campaign and so we'll use different colors to represent different um, community groups or organizations and all of the proceeds from those lattes will go to that organization. And we usually try to pick, um, groups that are lesser represented or not as well known. So, Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've done everything like from Lyme disease to Angelman syndrome. And, um, obviously we've done the big hitters like cancer and mental health and stuff like that too. Um, tens of thousands of dollars over the three years we did those. We're, we're kickstarting it again now that we're able to have people inside uh, starting in March, so coming up soon. And I mean, the Black Sheeps, we, we hosted something called the Well and Coffee Club. This was prior to me being involved in politics. And it was basically a town hall, um, mm-hmm. because trying to get counselors at the time to come visit the community, they just wouldn't do it. They, right. The community would have to go to council to have their thoughts heard. And if you weren't on the agenda, your thoughts weren't heard. Uh, and you could send an email, but there's it's not the same pressure and open dialogue as when you have just a bunch of people in a room chatting. Mm-hmm. So what the Black Sheep started to do was uh, our stage that was in the shop, we had a PA and a mic, and I would stand at the front, and we had anywhere between 30 and 50 people per month. It just depended on uh, on, on the season. And they would come, and it was open form. Put your hand up, you know, if you haven't spoken yet, we'll come to you first and they'll just start brainstorming like what they'd like to see happen in Welland and some really amazing ideas like uh, public pianos or painting park benches or bell boxes. And so we we collected all of these ideas and not only did we just give the ideas, we had executions attached to them as well. Like we were willing to do the work for some of these things or mm-hmm. or fund some of these things. Uh, and so we delivered that to city council as a as an organization. So I would go as the chair of the well and Coffee Club, um, present those ideas on behalf of our group, um, and many of them stuck, uh, which was amazing. So we were able to see some of these initiatives um, happen in place. So those those are some of the the more notable ones, but hundreds and hundreds of small events and
0: little fundraisers as well. That's incredible. Just being so active in the community, and not just you know, to promote your shop, like what we were saying earlier, some people are really just in it to, you know, kind of trick people into (laughs) giving to their, their more corporate minded businesses, but being a community minded business, especially in a smaller community, family oriented community, um, creating programs and, and benefiting, you know, more locally. That's, I feel like such a main tenant of being part of the coffee industry, but then, you know, just, being a good person. Yep. <laughs> so I commend you. I, I really do. I'm such a fan of uh, what you're doing with Black Sheep. It's incredible to me, and especially in such a small community, you can make such a difference. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Let's talk about some music, because uh, because cool. I feel like I'm I'm gushing on uh, on all of your uh, <laughs> amazing community work now. Um, let's not gush. Let's let's get into the heavy shit. Let's do it. Being from Niagara Falls, was there a lot of crossover between that area and the Welland and St. Catharines area? Completely different community, man. Like I missed out on
1: a lot of what, um, you know, what happened in Welland back in the day. Like Josh talked about these Mm -hmm. really grungy, dirty underground shows that happened in Welland. Um, I was very much a part of the music scene. Um, at the tail end of it, just like he was. Right. I think we're probably close to age. People that are 10 years older than I am, like in their in their mid to late 30s, those guys, they really got to see the best of it. Um, but even in Niagara Falls, like we didn't have necessarily the scene, but everyone kind of gathered in Welland and in, and in St. Catharines as well. Um, and man, it was it was definitely uh the place to be.
0: What were some bands? growing up that we're constantly playing uh it doesn't even need to be really heavy but just that kind of you know swayed your your listening into the metal community What's well, it's tough because when i first started playing music so I'm, I'm a drummer myself
1: right um i got into playing metal music from like the least heavy version mm-hmm. of metal which is glam i was uh <laughs> I was playing a lot of motley Crue and poison and stuff like that. Um, and I never was really even a big fan of it at the time. I just, you know, drummers were a hot commodity back then. There were very few and literally anytime there was the spot, if you could keep time, they were like, you got to play in our band. So, um, there was a, there was a group of guys who, you know, were, were kind of the guys in, in our, in our school. And so we started playing together uh, and that's what got me into glam. And from glam, I kind of realized, oh, there's, you know, there's these other bands that they're, they're kind of opening at these festivals. Um, like the people that were opening at these festivals where the glam guys were, were way heavier, right. you know? And so, um, Again, not super heavy to start, but you know, I was like listening to Mastodon, and um, then I started making my way over to Gojira, yep. and I'm still a huge fan. Um, and L- Masuga, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so those are the bands that really got me. Like, oh my god, there is some, there's some stuff out there. And a, a good friend of mine who's now a, um, he works for 97.7, the rock station in, in uh, Southern Ontario here. Mm-hmm um he's a a huge metalhead like the biggest metalhead i've ever met in my life and he's taken me everywhere um and on the american side like Niagara Falls New York Buffalo New York man the, there's some heavy heavy ass dirty concerts down there and yeah. you know like i almost broke my nose at Cannibal Corpse there like it it's just <laughs> It's, it was heavy. So that's the kind of stuff locally. We didn't have a lot of super heavy stuff back then. Mm-hmm. Niagara was known for more of the hardcore scene. Yeah. Um, then, than really like the traditional metal scene. Um, but it was a blast going to those
0: shows. So did you grow up also around like the hardcore community going to more local underground stuff as well? Yeah, I
1: went to it more than I played it. I never really played in any hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like anything music, I would go to see jazz shows, pop shows, rock shows, everything. Yep. At anytime I had an excuse to see live music. And I mean, normally it was like a five or a $10 cover and it's just, you could be there all, like it was all night long. You got mm-hmm. there at seven or eight and you were there till three or four in the morning. And I love that kind of stuff.
0: Yep. And it's usually part of your friend group anyway. So all your friends are there. <laughs> so why exactly. Not, why not do it? I like what you said about going to jazz shows too, because, uh, I don't know about you. If if you also played, you know, jazz and stuff like that, um, being a well-rounded drummer, I feel like has, has, has put me in a demand before. So I'm sure if you grew up playing, not just metal, I know it's a heavy music podcast. Don't scream or comment on this (laughs) (laughs) or do it. That's fine. We can take it. If you haven't seen the movie whiplash, you try to, you try to, watch that movie and play that solo because it's impossible. Um, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, but being like a well-rounded person musically that helps kind of lend into not just your musical taste, but also it kind of gives you a wider worldview. Um, For sure. I think that's... Well, you think about it as like well.
1: as a metal musician, especially 30 years ago, I mean, we're a little too young to really be not influenced by heavy bands, but right. the, some of the first really heavy bands had no one to look to for inspiration it came from somewhere and so it had to have been from other music sources whether that or other genres whether that's jazz or pop or wherever i mean i think it it's a shame to be like one version of music is better than the other um i think my love for metal came from my appreciation of its musicality you know like it is some of it is so hard to play that It's like, you have to just appreciate it for its complexity. You know, it's almost the same way in coffee, right? If you think about some coffees may not even be all that great, but it's so complex (laughs) and so strange that you're like, man, I appreciate it. I mean, it's not my
0: bag, but I get it. I get why someone would love it. Whatever they did there. I mean, I'm not going to try it, but that's, uh, (laughs) I'll give it to them. (laughs)
1: Well, man, um, I was listening to some of your, uh, episodes from this podcast last night. I was driving back from a show, um, and I do a lot of session drumming Mm -hmm. and I've been playing with this one, one girl, uh, Jessica Wilson, and it's a nineties, two thousands pop cover band, you know? So like, I'll play everything. We were playing jewel and Britney Spears last night, you know? Oh man. I'm jealous of that. I love it. I'll play anything. I mean, I just, I just enjoy music in general, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's hilarious because last night I was listening to uh, to a bit of Trivium on the way to uh, to the show, and then we we're playing "You Can Dry My Soul." Oh my god! <laughs> so the the dichotomy between what I listen to on the way to the show, what I play at the show, and then listening to your podcast on the way home, people think I have something wrong with me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not for me. It's not hard to believe because I do major swings like that too. I I love that. Uh, you jump from Glam to like Gojira and Meshuggah, because those tend to be, even for me, I don't love those bands as a whole, but I love hearing like what you said, the musicality of like, I don't even know the drummer from Meshuggah's name, but uh, hearing him, some of the stuff that he plays and it's like, if I could just play 1% of that, I think I'd probably be like <laughs> 10 times a better drummer. So man,
1: it's, it's so wild. The syncopation and, and the time signatures, it just, it hurts my brain. Yeah. I try to do the exercises even without the music. Like I'll find out the signature and see if I can hit that same syncopated rhythm that they're doing. And I'm like, I don't even know how you can continue <laughs> that with one hand, different time signature with another hand driving with your feet. I'm like, this is, it's crazy. Like, but I don't know, man, I, I listen to to a wide spectrum of, of metal too. I, I don't, fall into one category i like i know some people are only listen to death metal only listen to like that math metal kind of mm-hmm. thing um some people that only listen to black metal I, i'm all over the place you know I'll, I'll jump um you know i'll even fucking listen to gorgoroth you know i'll go to gorgoroth and then i'll jump over and uh and listen to Ramstein. you know uh-huh. I, i'm i'm all over the map yep yeah. I am supposed to be seeing them too. I was supposed to see them in in the fall of 2020 in the, in Montreal. Yeah, they got uh, they
0: got they got that date pushed. I remember that they were coming with um who else was on that bill? Ramstein and uh I can't even remember. It was a huge show. Um but it was at Place Bell, I think. My fiance got got us tickets to it. It's mm-hmm. apparently not canceled, it's just postponed. So, um
1: man, I really hoping they they open things up for fall. I think we're going to make it, but uh, I've been I've been dying to see them, and they're not old, but they're definitely not going
0: to do it forever. You yeah. know, like Till is like he's got to be fifty. They're pushing it, like yeah. they're they're getting up into retirement age. And um, I love their new album too. I know a lot of people were not huge fans of it, but I loved it. I really have only listened to old like '90s Ramstein, but that's just because I'm a hipster and. Uh, <laughs> If it's, not, if it's not, let's talk some some a little bit about your drumming because sure. you grew up playing in in some glam and metal bands and things like that. What are some other yeah. projects besides the the pop covers that you're looking to get into, if anything?
1: it's funny ever since i opened my shop i really obviously took a back seat to playing Mm -hmm. mostly because when we first opened in 2015 we were open till midnight so and i and back then i was working crazy stupid hours like we would open at 11 a.m so i basically my day started at eight i would go out get groceries we had a full-blown restaurant um i was going out with the chef chef then we'd come back we'd prep everything uh, I'd be doing all my cleaning and packing and all that kind of stuff, open the shop, work the 13 hours we were open, and then spend an hour cleaning after the fact. So it was just not not going to happen. Um, and it was like that for the first two years. Uh, then it got a little bit easier, but we were still open late. And if something happened or someone didn't show up, I needed to still be around. So I couldn't commit to any projects. More recently, I've been um, doing some more session stuff. Um, I really like doing session work because it kind of, Opens up my eyes and ears to scenes that I didn't know necessarily existed. Um, Playing a lot in the GTA, doing a little bit of studio stuff for that same project. Mm. Um, Because Jessica is, um, she's, I mean, that's for money, but her passion is in theater. So um, she'll be working on a new, like, theatrical album coming up. So I'll be helping her out with that. Um... But prior to Black Sheep, like the first, like the two years we were building the shop but before we had opened, um, I was playing in, believe it or not, a Christian rock band or a Christian metal band, I should say. I do have a hard time um, believing that. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> they were so desperate for a bass player. Um, and I was so desperate to travel uh, and do music. So I faked it till I made it. And I, <laughs> I literally, man, I told them I played bass. I had never played bass a day in my life. Um, and I, they gave me their, their uh, most recent albums, like their, their their two most recent albums. And I topped the to bottom. I listened to it all day, every day, while I was working, headphone in one ear. Um, and I was having like a tab sheet on the other that I had written out as I figured it out. And I just mastered only those like 25 to 30 songs. And then when I went to go for the audition, they're like, man, this guy is killing it. Like he just knows Mm -hmm. our stuff top to bottom. So they hired me uh, and then their drummer uh, quit and they're like, oh shit, we need to find a drummer. And I'm like, no, you don't You need to find a bass player. I can't play bass. I can play drums. And so um, I got behind the kit and because I knew their songs top to bottom, of course, I was drumming along to it as well. On my free time Um, got that gig and I was with them for about two years and uh, they never play Canada. It was only the U.S. Um, and because of, uh, them being a Christian band, it was exclusively for the most part, the Bible belt. So we were down in, in Texas and Arkansas, um, Mississippi, we were, we were just down in the South a lot, spent some time in Florida. Um, and so that was a lot of fun for me. So I got my work visa in the States. Um, there was a bus and a crew and it paid well. And it was, it was pretty amazing because like the non-Christian bands I played in, you could never get shows in the States. And even if you did, they paid nothing. Right. Uh, Like literally you were going there and playing for free. Um, this, they literally had barcodes on the cases so that when we go through customs, they can just scan the items. Okay. it, It matches up with your list. Um, and although, I mean, there was some conflict because of my lack of belief and their, you know, super, con- their, their large conviction. Um, it just wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be a long-term thing, right. but I'm happy that I did it. Um, I learned a lot, met a lot of really awesome people um, and found a new love for the States. Because I think when you're a Canadian you look poorly upon the States in a lot of ways. Cause you see, like, you only see the political side of things and I'm sure they feel the same way about our political system. But, um, when you get to meet people and you're, you're go- especially in Southern communities, man, like it's the, it really is that Southern hospitality. Like after shows, people would be like, Oh, come stay at our house. Let us feed you. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to get abducted. And then you realize <laughs> they're being genuine, man. That like, everyone just lets you in their house, complete strangers, five guys that look like a bunch of scuzz bags and they feed you. And I know this kind of an an off rant uh, rant because we're talking about projects, but that project was significant in my musical career. um, Because it was really, I mean, the most successful music venture that I I had ever had. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was something I just didn't wholeheartedly believe in. And I think that was why I had to move on and and do smaller uh, projects that people weren't necessarily looking to become famous they just enjoyed playing so right. that's kind of my thing now is just looking for things where you don't have to necessarily take it all that seriously it's more jamming and being creative and just having fun with it make a little extra side cash if you can
0: love it uh yeah i would love to get a a weird country gig so uh done that too just like some just it's like the best. country western uh Because I believe in that. I believe in country western music. Uh, Man, they they their fans are amazing. Country fans are crazy. It's a party. They will spend. And you want to talk about just making extra cash? Country is the way to go if you're trying to make money playing shows, especially as like a a stage musician. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. You have no responsibility except to know the songs, and then you play, and then you get paid. It's great.
1: Yeah, but um, you have to be so you have to be so good. Like you have to be tight. Um, oh, and that was the thing about that Christian man I played in. It was the first time I ever played to backing tracks and had oh. to play to a play to a click, um, and that was so strange for me because, like in jazz and in other genres, it's frowned upon because you're supposed to be feeling it. It's it's not about necessarily maintaining that perfect tempo. You just have it's all about the feel of it. And sometimes mm-hmm. you'll play the song at a different tempo just because, right? And so um, playing with a click really, really, I mean, I hated it in the beginning, but towards the end, it was the best experience ever. It gives you a freedom. You no longer have to be responsible for holding down the, you know, like keeping the train rolling. The train's just kind of rolling because your brain is doing it subconsciously and your hands are just free to really open up. Um, and you can try fills that might be a little bit too dangerous to do without one because you know where to land, you know, um, it was a lot of fun. So
0: yeah, I. that's funny that you mentioned that because I, I do come from a very heavy church background. Um, and I grew up, since I was like 15, I've been playing in church with Click and sometimes Tracks. But I always try to tell people, I'm like, you know, you think taking the boundaries away liberates you more, but it actually kind of is panicky and stressful. If you mm-hmm. kind of set a fence like a boundary and say like you have all of this room to just play around in, then it, mm. you can just do whatever you want. Cause you don't have that. You kind of have that, 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 fence yeah, to fall on. Yeah. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I <laughs> always tell people that I'm like playing with a click is incredible.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, it gives you the freedom to try some weird stuff. And I don't know in the beginning is definitely a learning curve. The mm-hmm. only thing that sucks when you're playing to a click and you're not like super famous is that usually the drummer is responsible for the laptop <laughs> and the laptop, <laughs> is stressful it, like making sure that everything runs correctly and sometimes like the software crashes and you got to reboot it mm-hmm. and like half of the tracks play and the other half don't you know you're you're getting the click but not the backing tracks sometimes the clicks coming out in the front of house and you're like shit so it, yeah it's that's the worst part about it the click itself is great mm-hmm. but the laptop is hell
0: the click coming out in front of house is like the curse <laughs>
1: Man, I can't even tell you. Like, we played this thing called Alliance Fest. Uh, sorry, Alliance Fest in Pennsylvania. Um, I know Alliance Fest. And man, we played. We played like the seven or seven thirty slot, something like that, which was way later than I expected because we're relative nobodies to the people we were playing with. Like, we were playing with Demon Hunter that night. Oh wow. We were playing with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, and I'm like, this is such a strange. Um, fit for a King was playing that oh one. Oh my God. Yeah. So man, there was some serious, serious bands playing. I'm like, man, we are way too close to the front, but anyway, <laughs> during the sound check, it happened. And I'm like, this cannot happen. I'm like, this cannot happen to me. I-, I was, I was cussing these guys because the band has their own stuff. I didn't use my own symbols. I didn't use my own kit. I didn't use my own laptop. Everything was like the band had its own stuff. Right. right. So I came into this whole Uh, this whole, I don't even know what to call it. Ecosystem? Yeah, this weird ecosystem that I I wasn't used to. And so like I was begging them, I'm like, please, I will use my cut to buy a new laptop. I cannot use this thing. It's so old and decrepit, and it's only used for the tracks, but it's just not reliable. And we had so many problems with it, but uh, it made me very good at catching them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You definitely get that uh, that, like survival mode. <laughs> yeah, for real. The panic of when you hear the backing track
1: and the click goes away. Man, there's nothing like that.
0: That's like having the floor just removed from you. Oh man. Yeah. You I will f- never, if
1: you ever want to see focus in a drummer's face,
0: the most focus ever is the click track disappears,
1: but the drag- the backing tracks don't. <laughs> it's
0: terrifying. Like, somebody needs to make that TikTok because uh I would laugh at that one. Um oh, brutal Well, Lucas, this has really been an awesome conversation. Uh, I was really excited to get to talk to you, um, especially about the coffee and the community stuff, because I love what you're doing. Josh obviously was over the moon about, uh, his experience with black sheep and everything like that. Um, I just have shout out
1: Josh. Thank you so much. Yes. And Kothra
0: Kothra, man. Yeah. That's you guys. Thank you so much. uh, That's a great band. Um, I just have one last question before we go. Sure. What is your favorite city for beans and breakdowns?
1: Um, I'm going to steal the way I've heard a few people do it um, because I've got it in in, in two different communities. Okay. Um, beans. I'm going to have to say is probably your area. I just I if I have if I can't say Quebec, I will say Montreal. Um, because there's some amazing roasters there. And quick little ditty about that before I get to the breakdowns, mm-hmm. is uh I was in Honduras uh in 2019 doing an origin trip looking uh, I was trying to find some new Honduran coffees for our roster. And I was actually uh I actually stayed for about eight, nine days with the guys from Structure. I met Matthew. Um so he was there with us for a while and his crew. Um and then uh, Vincent from uh, Le Petit Brewer, I can't mm-hmm. pronounce it, but uh, amazing shop. Um, and yeah, those those guys are absolute experts, man. Absolute experts. I felt, I've never felt more stupid in my life <laughs> than having a, a coffee conversation with Mathieu. He's like a serious, serious expert. Uh, and they're doing great things out in your area. So I would say Montreal um, is the most high density. And I don't know if it's actually Montreal, but rabbit hole too. I mean, is that what yeah, They're, they
0: they're, they're
1: right on the North
0: shore. Yeah. Rabbit hole is
1: doing crazy things. Uh, and I've really been enjoying their coffees. Um, but then breakdowns, I, I have to say it'll be kind of a tie between Niagara Falls and Buffalo, New York. Um, probably a bit of a bias because I'm so close geographically to them, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they've got some crazy heavy shows. The community is amazing. And even though we have some great stuff on our side of the border, there's something about the American side when it comes to metal shows. It's a lot cheaper Um, and it's a much better experience. It doesn't feel as glossy. Like I've seen a bunch of shows in Toronto, of course, Um, just because even though it's a little further, it's a it's easier to not cross a border than, yeah. you know, and just drive an extra 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, the GTA just hasn't, hasn't met the same mark as, uh, as Buffalo and Agra falls, New York. they really, they're heavy.
0: So I love hearing that as a, uh, as a Canadian, that, that the American kind of scene hit the mark for you. And Americans
1: share their gear. Canadians are—they uh, don't like this. They don't like to share their gear. We're very nice people. We'd like to apologize, but you're not going to—you're not using my app.
0: Yeah, we're too lazy. We're going to be like, uh, I play last, and I'm going to set up my cab, and everybody can just put their head on top. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, Lucas, this has really, really been a great time. Um, An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on and and sharing all about uh, what you've got going on over in Welland. Everybody, go check out Black Sheep Coffee Roasters. Um, they have a lot of awesome merch as well as coffee. So be sure to check that out and uh, follow what Lucas has got going on over there. Yeah, we're gonna do a. Uh we've talked about it a little bit before uh, we came live, but I'm sure we'll
1: do some promo for you guys listening. Um, if you want to try the coffee, we'll have an exclusive discount code, uh, for beans and breakdowns. Uh, if you listen to this, and you want to try our coffee, um, which is black sheep, Niagara, dot a.com. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for loving coffee and heavy music and, uh, keep the community strong. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, keep roasting that, that good, good coffee for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beans and Breakdowns. I want to say a huge thanks to Lucas for coming on the podcast, sharing all about Black Sheep Coffee and his experience in the metal community. You can visit Black Sheep online at blacksheepniagara.com to order some delicious coffee. Throughout the month of March, Beans and Breakdowns listeners can use code Devil in all caps to receive 16.66% off of all 340 gram bag purchases. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also find out more information about the podcast by following us on Instagram at Beans and Breakdowns and visiting us online at beansandbreakdowns.com. Until next week, stay caffeinated and wake the fuck up!